Okay, let's see. There we go. We got it. Man, this has been a rough morning. Hopefully the sermon will go smoother. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We've uh, gone on a long series here. We'll be in it just for a couple more weeks. Uh, We've looked at the law. Remember, this was written to a Jewish audience. We've talked about the high priest and the responsibilities. We talked about Jesus being our high priest. He is also the fulfillment of the law. What I like about this text and why I chose it, and next week we'll get into marriage and some other things, but this is more didactic. And what I mean by didactic, I mean their commands. And they're, they're, they're very sharp commands, at, at least in the, in the Greek language. And uh, we haven't seen this too much in Hebrews, uh, one or two verses that we've gone through maybe. But here's a whole series. It's, it's like Proverbs unfolding in Hebrews 13. So today we're going to talk about everyday Christianity. Last week we looked at follow Christ's example and learn from discipline. Now today, very practical, it did pull up, thank goodness, (laughs) Uh, care for people and we're going to look at love. Let brotherly love continue, the writer of Hebrews notes, let brotherly love continue. The brother is connected to the church at large, those who had trusted in Jesus Christ, uh, male and female would be included in this, let brotherly love continue continue. Interesting, this word love, uh, we know it as agape, but the word that the writer uses here is, get ready for this, an easy one to pronounce, you all know it, Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, you instinctively think of what? Philadelphia, the place of brotherly love. Um, It's an affection for one's fellow believers in Christ, that is, The goal here of the writer of Hebrews is to focus on the brotherly love that the body of Christ feels for one another. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, and 9, But we do not need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Love is the central dynamic of the Christian faith. When you think about Christ going to the cross, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is the central dynamic of the Christian life. And therefore, it is because of that love we have been taught by God. We know what love looks like. Love, all you have to do is go back to the cross and look at what Christ did on the cross for you and me. And therefore, in a sense, we have been taught through the sacrifice of Christ, who is our great high priest, we have been taught how to love. So if you want to learn how to love, look to Jesus. Jesus got in trouble with all kinds of people, but he loved people enough to get in trouble with the religious elite of the day. So he says here, let brotherly love continue. Also in Romans uh, 12.10, Paul writes this, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So it's, it's the idea of this word love, Philadelphia, means that there is an intense love that we have for one another. One thing I do love about our church 
And it's been commented to me by visitors who have maybe one-time visitor, they leave, and they say, boy, I really felt welcome. Keep it up. Let me encourage you to love people. Because love is the central piece of the gospel. Without love, you do not have the gospel. And therefore, as we live our Christian lives, we are to be showing love to others. I like what Warren Wiersbe said in his commentary as Christians. These Hebrew people, no doubt, had been rejected by their friends and family. This is important. But the deepest kind of fellowship is not based on race or family relations. It is based on the spiritual life that we have in Christ. I'm closer to some of you guys and gals than I am to my own family members. And there are those within my family that have rejected Christ and have made it their mission in life to talk bad about Christians. I think of my cousin. I pray that she gets saved. But there, this is, you all realize that we're connected by the blood of Christ. We are all relatives in that sense. And therefore, this is a high priority in the kingdom of God. Why? Because if this is not right, we cannot go out and tell people about the love of Jesus. It's impossible. So this is what we need to focus on as a body of Christ, loving one another deeply, rooted in the, in the cost of Christ on the cross, and loving people in this body of Christ, which we do very well. But he also says here, this is not a one and done. Let brotherly love continue. And that word continue is a present imperative in the Greek language, all fancy stuff aside. That means that it's, it's happening now. So he wrote this and he realized that they are loving each other, but that this will continue indefinitely. So it's something that has already taken place and will continue on without an expiration date until we go home to see Jesus. And then when we get in front of him, it's awesome. So he says here, let brotherly love continue. And sometimes I get it. Sometimes that brotherly love within the body of Christ is difficult, but please rise above. Rise above and love each other. Y'all do realize, you do realize that God loves us and he wants us to love one another. And you do realize that should be the foundation of the church is the love. Please keep loving one another. Love and continue to love each other. And I think if we actually loved each other, the way that we're supposed to, 90% of church problems could dissolve away if we're truly loving and we're truly honoring the other person above ourselves. Now, the reason I like this so much is it's so, it's so practical. I mean, I, I don't usually do this, but I've, I had an outline fleshed in 10 minutes because it was so practical and so uh, easy to understand. The second thing we want to look at is hospitality. And uh, the writer here in, in verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 
do not neglect carries the same uh, force of don't forget. Don't forget. So by saying don't neglect, he's saying don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Now this is an interesting word. Some words I just like more than others. Philadelphia, the love. Think of Philadelphia, the place of brotherly love. Philoxenia. I love that word, philoxenia. It's a compound word, and it means more than one thing. It's compound in the sense that it means different uh, levels. It has different meanings. Etymology of the word is what causes it to become a compound word, meaning it has more than one meaning, but those meanings all apply. So let's unpack this. First of all, it means to entertain or to host. Wait for it. This is what it means. Meal. When the use here, do not forget to entertain strangers, it's the idea of fellowship. You know, when you go back and you look at the Jewish family and the Jewish tradition, and by the way, please pray for Israel. Um, the meal was a central dominant theme in the Jewish home. And so you can envision a group of believers here uh, inviting complete strangers into their home for a fellowship meal. Now, I know the argument is, well, we live in a different day, Pastor. Right? You just can't, you just can't invite strangers into your home. Living at the parsonage gives me a great opportunity to encounter many people that travel through Tolono on the way to other places. I'm always hesitant to say this because I don't say it to look at me. There's been many times that I've taken people to get meals. Even my wife said, should you be taking them in your car? And I said, I'm going to do that. It's, I get it. And I, I realize people get fearful, but when you see, and I've been guilty of this too, uh, I see a homeless person and the first thing I look at is, what is their physical issue? Are they able to work? This kind of dialed me back a little bit. Um, what would it cost us, thinking logically here, what would it cost us to see a homeless person drive to McDonald's and get a hamburger, fries, and a Coke? What would it cost us? Well, probably about $8.50. I don't think you should give homeless people money because you don't know what they're going to do with it. But when you see somebody that says, I'm hungry, Maybe instead of continuing to drive down the road, maybe let God speak to you and say, maybe I'm going to buy that person a meal. I would not ever advocate giving somebody money. I do think you have to be smart, but we can also be compassionate. And, and there are some people that are on the streets. Do you know how many veterans we have homeless in America? It is, it is, it is not right. It should be corrected. But look, people... We don't know. We simply don't know what brought them to the place where they are homeless. 
Sometimes it could be drug addiction. Sometimes it could be other things. But when I looked at this verse, I go, wait a minute, Pastor Mike. When you see a homeless person, maybe you should go buy them a meal. I would rather err on the side of wrong than not. I remember one day, and you know what? If you give money, I would never recommend that. I would give food. One, one day, Levi and I were driving in the car, and we saw a homeless guy holding up saying, I'm hungry. And then, by chance, Levi and I wound up going to McDonald's right across from there. And we stopped and we ate. And guess who was in McDonald's? It was the homeless guy, and he was eating a meal, and he was on his Blackberry. Right? But I would rather err on the wrong side than miss a blessing and being able to bless somebody. Because Levi said, Poppy, there he is. And I said, I know. I know. Now the next one, and, and, and by the way, really, brothers and sisters, we don't know what, how people got there. Just wait till I get to the next part of this sermon. So I want you to think about the next time you see a homeless person, this is why I love this text, because it's so practical. You can leave here, drive down the road, see a homeless person and go, you know what, maybe I'm going to stop and get them an $8.50. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's $9, depending on where you get the food from. Those are strangers. Those are strangers, people that are not here. The second word gets even more difficult. That's hospitality. You ready for this? Wait, wait for it. Second time I said it. <laughs> it means to lodge. It means to lodge. In the New Testament time, even in, after the time of Christ, you can see from this picture, you, this is an inn. They were notoriously dangerous. Uh, you notice here there's, there's no doors. It's not the Holiday Inn. It's not, you would go in there and you could get mugged, you could get beaten, you could get your money stolen. And so these were not safe places. When he says here to lodge, he's telling these people to take them in. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Wait a minute, Pastor Mike. Wait a minute. I'm not bringing an unknown person into my home. I get it. I get it. And, and if I'm being honest between, and I have to because he's looking. You don't need to do that. Guess what? You can put them up in a hotel. Uh, several years ago, and they've, I don't know how many Catholic priests they've gone through. Um, the Catholic priest at, at the time, uh, he got a call, and he's calling around the other pastors, and he says, uh, of course, I was the only one he could get. And I really liked uh, the Catholic priest. And we decided that this man who was traveling through Tolono, 
we decided we decided if Pastor Ken gets upset, oh well, because he wasn't available. It really are the ministerial funds for people that live in Tolono, but we felt this guy was deserving. So the Catholic priest and I got in the car and we drove down to Savoy and we put that man in a hotel overnight. Now, honestly, it didn't cost us anything because that money was given, and Pastor Ken was perfectly fine with it. Pastor Ken's a great guy, by the way. And we housed him. What would a stay at a hotel cost us? I don't know, 100 bucks maybe? That's a little more, that's a little more expensive. But he says here, do not fail to show hospitality to strangers. And the reason for that is, look at this. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You say, well, that's, that text is done. I found nothing that contradicted the text. It's possible. It is possible and I don't know when it is, but it is possible that sometimes we could be helping an angel. I'm not charismatic, trust me. But there's times in our lives when we could have helped somebody that was put there by God in order to help the person to test us and to see. It's a possibility. And I like, uh, I like what Thomas Lay said in his commentary. The principle here teaches us that it is better to treat the needy guests as messengers from God than to risk offending them by an inhospitable act. Now, when you go out today and you get in your car and you drive and you see a homeless person, hopefully it will change your perspective. Now, most of them, I'm pretty sure they've, had, they've, they've come from a lot of different backgrounds and situations and some of them wound up there by their own doing so therefore those that wound up by their own doing we don't need to help I don't know I would think that the grace of God would compel us to a different conclusion And why I like this sermon so much is it challenged me. <laughs> That's why I like it. I had to dial back some, some thoughts as I was going through it. And think about those who suffer. Those who are in prison, remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. The word prison means here someone who is in custody, someone who has violated the law. Interesting what you can pull up when you Google images. Uh, I migrated to this image, and I made sure that I put it in the sermon today. Remember those who are in prison as though you are with them.
Look at this. Look at that. Do you know what I see there? I'll tell you what I see. I see Satan laughing. This is Satan's work. He gets people to do all kinds of things. And when I look at her, I I think of desperation. I see this woman and I think, my goodness, look at her arms, look at her forehead, what Satan is capable of. Our good friend Marion spent, I don't know, I was going to interview her and then the week got busy. Um, She did prison ministry. And she said, you wouldn't believe and one time that I remember talking with her, you wouldn't believe how receptive prisoners are to the gospel. I don't know who this woman is, but I tell you what, I pray that she would come to know Jesus Christ. It's probably a forgotten, and it's quite possible that she's there by her own doing. I have no idea, and read the article. I just took the picture and put it in. And there are some people that should be in prison and stay in prison for what they have done. But when I look at this, I can't help but think, was there a point in this woman's life when the church was non-responsive? I don't know. I mean... That's a, a thought. Was, was there Christians in her life that didn't share the gospel? Were there a mother and father that were Christians that didn't take her to church? Or We don't know. I simply don't know. These are possibilities. People in prison need to be prayed for, but the issue here is not an unbeliever. I just wanted to put that in there to maybe get you thinking about lost people. This is a bombed-out church in Syria where persecution is taking place. And I did some research this week about prisons and about the Middle East, and it was pretty shocking, actually. Um, Middle East Christians, and this goes from the fall of 2021 to the fall of 2022, so just about a little over a year ago. Let me give you some numbers about Christians in the Middle East. Number one, during this period, there were 5,621 Christians killed in the Middle East. By the way, this is by the Voice of the Martyrs, a very reputable group. Secondly, there were uh, 4,542 Christians arrested wrongly and imprisoned wrongly. When the writer says, remember those in prison, he's talking about those Jews who are in jail. And you are in jail with them because you are one in Christ with them. Number three, Christians kidnapped, 5,259 kidnapped. Some of those children 
During this period, 2,110 churches attacked and destroyed. This number right here has gone up. Jesus Christ was beaten, mocked, and misunderstood. He endured the cross and despised the shame. Though the King of Kings, he was persecuted and died for our sake. In this world we will face tribulation, but you promise you'll be right here with us. And he said to his followers, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And to this day, all over the world, they still do. But Jesus promised more, that those who suffer for his name's sake would not be forgotten, not by God and not by the family of God. The Voice of the Martyrs was founded by a persecuted Christian as well. Richard Wormbrand reached out for Christ to the Nazis in the early 1940s when they came into his native Romania. He felt a calling to reach out to atheists for Christ. He prayed for opportunities to share Christ with the Russians as well. And when the Soviet communists entered into Romania in 1944, they came right to his doorstep. Richard boldly witnessed to them as well. And just as Jesus promised, they hated him for it. He was arrested and sent to prison for a total of 14 years, often in solitary confinement, often tortured. Through it all, he held on to his love for God and committed to witness for Christ in word and deed, even to his torturers. In 1967, Richard, now free from jail and out of Romania, founded an organization committed to sharing the stories of others who, like him, were being jailed, persecuted, tortured, or killed for their faith. He often quoted Hebrews 13.3, Remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them. That organization today is operating in 68 countries around the world, in regions that are dangerous, in countries that are restricted, reaching out through persecution response through Bible distribution, and through frontline ministry. That organization is committed to stand with their persecuted family by saying we will not let them suffer in silence. We will not let them serve alone.
kind of difficult to watch, huh? Uh, it, it's happening. Remember those who are in prison as though you were with them. Uh, we may never know the names of those that are in prison. And, and, and by the way, you can be imprisoned wrongly. And if you're sharing the gospel, you may wind up in, in prison. The thing is that we do have brothers and sisters in Christ that are in prison in the Middle East and other difficult areas. Maybe schedule some time this Thanksgiving to pray for them. Pray for those that are going through difficulties and hardships. Lastly, think about those who suffer and then we look at pain. And those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. This is connected obviously to those who are in prison. Mistreated means to cause someone to suffer ill treatment. To mistreat, to cause to suffer. In our jobs and social life, I've, I've actually had Christians tell me that the day that they told their employer that they were Christians, bad things happened. And the real, the real issue here is that we carry the name of Christ and they will come after us. And so there may be times in your life, as in times in my life, where you're being mistreated because of your connection to the gospel. Ray Stedman, in his commentary, wrote this, Empathy is called for, not merely help. We must feel with the prisoners or the mistreated the shame and hurt and hopelessness they often experience and minister to them out of an awareness that we too could have been where they are had our circumstances been the same as theirs. There's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy means I feel sorry for you. Empathy means you put yourself in the place of the other person and you try to experience what they are experiencing. That, I think, is a game changer when we talk about doing ministry to a lost and dying world. So, as we close this sermon, we're to care for people. I think that's important, to care for people, particularly our own body of Christ. To do good to strangers, given those opportunities in, in life where we're out on the highways and byways of life, we see a homeless person or someone struggling um, to maybe take a 10-minute take a detour, a 10-minute detour in our lives and try to say, if that were me, what would I want somebody to do for me? And again, let me caution, never give them money, but you could get them food. Um, and sometimes it's inconvenient, but you never know. You never know. That person may be there for a reason. Angel or what? I don't know. But God may be giving us an opportunity to show that we have the love of Christ in our hearts. Lastly, remember those who are in prison. I think, I think I'm going to do this with our family. We're going to pray for those Christians at Thanksgiving that are in prisons overseas, even right here, by the way, uh, that have been wrongly Im imprisoned. 
and make a, a, a special note of that as we give thanks to God. Many of us are going to have turkey and all the stuff that goes along with that. But remember those who are in prison, and maybe God will lay it on your heart to start some type of prison ministry. Uh, there's jails in Tuscola and all around us. Remember those who are in prison. Go out this week, love people, care for those that are broken, that are downcast, pray for them, love them. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray that this would help us be more sensitive to those who are without you and those who need to see the love of Christ. Father, we do lift up those that are in prison, not only those that are there because they did something wrong, 
We pray for them anyway, Lord. We pray through prison ministries that they would come to know Christ. In specific, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who have been beaten, who have been imprisoned, all for sharing the name of Christ. I pray that you would strengthen them. And again, Father, help us to be more sensitive, more compassionate, more caring to the homeless. Help us to love them the way that you would call us to love them. Father, I don't know what decisions need to be made here this morning, but that they would be made only to bring glory to you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.